Will you join me in the prayer for illumination that's printed in your bulletin and on the wall? Lord of mustard seeds and yeast, we come to you this day seeking your word and will for us. Make us Make people, people who care deeply about the well-being of others. Give us courage to yeast for the rising of hope and peace throughout the world. Open our hearts to your redeeming love. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 through 33 and 44 through 52. The parable of the mustard seed. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. The parable of the yeast. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Three other parables. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Treasures old and new. Have you understood all of this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to pick on my mom a little bit this morning. Oh, no. Is that what she's, oh, good. Yes. <laughs> Most of you know that, that my mom grew up in the city. She was, she was born, and we'll tell you, she grew up in Philadelphia, which she did not. She was born in Philadelphia and then moved to St. Petersburg, Florida, and lived there until she met my dad and moved to Ohio. She knew nothing about rural life. She thought that chicken came from the grocery store and was shocked to find out that my dad's family did not have indoor plumbing when she came here. That's a good story if you want to ask her about it. The reason that I bring up my mom this morning in reference to these parables that Jesus is teaching is because every year, somewhere around the end of June, maybe beginning of July, somewhere in there, my mom turns into a farmer. When you're riding in the car with her, she looks out the window and begins this commentary on how tall the corn is or how full the bean fields look. She makes comments about whether or not we've had enough rain, too much rain, 
you need more rain. It's comical because she really has zero foundational knowledge about farming. For a few years, my parents had a garden, and my mom's contribution to the garden was to put sugar cubes in with the corn where it was planted because my dad told her that's how you grow sweet corn. And so she spent an entire afternoon pushing cubes of sugar down where the, corns, where the corn was planted. Our whole family stood in the yard and watched her do that. I have a theory, though, about what makes my non-farming mother turn into a crop commentator. I think it's wonder. I think the fact that once dry and empty fields are now filled with tall and proud stalks of corn, blowing in the breeze. I think it's wonder and awe at the wide fields of beans that will change color with the seasons. I think that my mom is amazed at the wonder of God's creation, that something as small as a seed can be transformed into a plant that will go on to feed countless people. I think that my mom is amazed, as we all should be, that something that would seem so insignificant to us, if we took it at its current state, a tiny seed can be transformed through dirt and sunlight and water into something that will sustain life. In her crop commentary, I think that my mom really isn't so much focusing on farming, but I think that she's really focusing on the power of God and how God can transform something as small as a mustard seed into something large and overwhelming that it can house a bird. If God can do that with the mustard seed, imagine what God can do with us. I have often said that farmers are the most hopeful, faithful disciples of God. They begin each planting season with the hope of what will come, what can come. And they plant into the darkness and the dirt that which they will not see again in hopes of the yield that God can bring forth. These parables that Jesus is teaching is reinforcing to us the idea that God can do so much with so very little. The examples that Christ is giving, the smallest mustard seed, just a pinch of leaven, when these tiny bits are in the hands of a mighty God, no one truly knows what can be accomplished or what will grow. I believe, Christians, that there are too many times that we focus on where we don't see God. When we focus on what God has not yet done. When I believe that God is calling us into a state of wonder over the things that God does that we don't even necessarily consider. I believe that God is calling us to notice the everyday miracles, things that we have become so accustomed to that they barely register with us. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned that Sarah Runyon, Sarah Gomez, had had her baby. And I did it in, in an, uh, an honor of that miracle, but I said it kind of in an offhanded way. I said, Sarah's had her baby. And then I went right into the next praise that we were reporting, and Richard stopped me and said, he didn't mean to stop me, but he said, hallelujah, and praise God. 
And he should have. Because, you know, it, it can become customary to announce that a new life has entered into this world. And we often don't stop and think of the miracle that began. The miracle that was produced and the new life that is present. And so I'm grateful for that hallelujah that caused me to pause at that miracle that is anything but an everyday miracle. I think we are being called into a new sense of awareness of these many miracles that surround us each day. Many miracles that show us God's presence in our lives. Maybe it's the perfectly timed phone call when you need a friend. Or maybe it's you being in the right place at the right time to offer comfort or the peaceful presence that someone else desperately needs. These are all many miracles. Sometimes I think we lose our sense of God being present in the mundane things, the everyday things. But when you listen to the stories that Jesus tells his people, that Christ uses to teach his people, they were very often, most often, stories about everyday things. Just like in this parable today, Jesus speaks of mustard seeds and trees, of baking bread and hidden treasures buried. I, like many of us, like to focus on, on God. You know, the God so powerful that God's own voice could spark creation. I like to think about special effects, God. You know, the, the water parting, the, the bush burning, that God. Because that's the God that I rely on to do all the things. And God does all of the things that I can't. But it doesn't always present itself in big special effects ways. It doesn't always pre present itself in big stories, in parted waters and talking bushes. And, you know, it just doesn't always present itself like that. No, sometimes the very miraculous essence of God is in tiny miracles. Jesus says at each of these teaching moments, the kingdom of God is like. And then he talks about normal, everyday things. Because the kingdom of God is like you and me. Just common, everyday people. Doing everyday things, but bearing the mark of Christ, the spirit of God. The kingdom of God looks like real world women and men, not superheroes or larger than life characters, just us. Jesus in the everyday, in the mundane. God is present in the, the bread baking moments. God is present in the tiniest of seeds. And through these words, through these parables, we are invited to not lose sight of God and to realize that we are not called to only see God in the big ways, but also in the everyday. We are called to look for God in each moment, not just on Sunday, not just in church, not just on holidays, not just on Christmas or Easter. Every day 
is a mini Easter. We are an Easter people. Each day we should live into the revelation that we stand in the shadow of an empty cross, of an empty tomb. We stand in the shadow of the exclamation when Mary said that Christ was not there, that he is alive. We stand in the memory of Good Friday. We stand in the glory of Easter Sunday. When the disciples raced to get to the tomb to see what wasn't there. We are called to remember that each day and dare say to become commentators of what we really truly don't understand. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus uses the parable of the tiny mustard seed growing into a large bush. Also the parable of a pinch of yeast as it spreads itself through the whole batch of dough to teach us what God can do with the tiniest of things. If God can take the smallest seed and produce a tree that can house a bird, then what can God do with our dreams? What can God do with our plans? But that's not the totality of this story. Let's add another layer to this teaching parable. Because we've all done the thing. God said, God said the tiniest bit of faith can move mountains. But there's an extra layer to this. Jesus is not only making the point of what God can do with the small things, he's teaching of what God can do with the most unexpected things. See, at the time that Jesus was teaching with these examples, mustard seeds were of little to no value. The bush or the tree that they produced was considered trash. A trash bush, a weed, good for nothing. Taking up valuable nutrients and space that that they needed to grow. So they would not necessarily want it around. But here is Christ saying that the kingdom of God is like this mustard seed that produces a trash bush. You see, it wasn't just the size that Jesus was teaching about. It was the unexpected miracle, too, the transformation. God can take something small and insignificant or of little perceived value and produce something grand. God can take something of little value and can transform it into the kingdom of God. You see what Jesus is teaching here? Christ is turning the tables on our understandings. He has a way and a knack for doing that. He often preaches small, we will become big, last will be first, insignificant will become important, trash will become treasure. The bush that you consider trash will become something solid, home to a bird, a safe haven to protect. Jesus is constantly challenging our perceptions of things. He's asking us to see beyond what we think we know, and we think we know. Amen? He's asking us to see beyond what we think can happen. He's asking us to consider not what we can do, but what God can do with something or someone. We don't know the possibilities of God's vision and God's plan. Wasn't it something when 
they said, well, what good can come of Nazareth? <laughs> God. God can come from Nazareth. We decide that we know. We look at someone or something or even ourselves, our own reflection, and we decide that we know. The parable of the leaven is used to reinforce this idea of transformation. The leaven that Jesus is speaking about is considered unclean in this culture. It was considered unclean because such care had to be taken when using it. You see, the, the leavening agent, what we think of as yeast, was created by setting aside a portion of leftover bread left to spoil. And it had to be watched closely if it was not spoiled enough when they used it as a leavening agent, it would not cause the fresh batter, the fresh dough to rise. But if it was too spoiled when used, well, it, it could kill you. So they had to watch it closely and use it at just the right time and just the right amount that it wouldn't sour the dough. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like the leavening that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour. Why would Christ liken the kingdom of heaven to something that could potentially kill you? You see, in the wrong hands, when not understood and when not used accordingly, the leaven could kill you. But in the baker's hands, the leaven will cause the dough to rise and expand, to grow in accordance. Once again, the story isn't about the mustard seed and the trash bush it produces. Once again, the story is not about the yeast, not about the leavening agent and how it could kill you. Those are our perceptions. Once again, Jesus is asking us to see beyond what we're so certain that we understand. The story is about something we think we know being transformed and used in a new way. When transformed, the bush becomes a tree that serves as a home, a protective home for the birds. When transformed, the yeast becomes an agent of growth rather than something that could potentially kill you. What could happen to ourselves if we placed ourselves in God's hands? What could happen to our dreams when they are placed in God's hands? What could our hands produce if we yield them to God's dreams? Why are we limiting ourselves to our own dreams? Why are we limiting our actions to our own plans? Because, friends, there are times that we look around as humanity and see only trash, bushes, and spoiled bread. But what does God see? What is God's plan? What can God do? Where would we find Jesus today? Would we find him at the hospitals, in the prisons, in the rehabilitation centers, in the gutters, with that which society has deemed trash, bushes, and rotten bread? Christ is constantly on the margins. 
Would we find Christ in the mansions with those who have the greatest problem of all of thinking that they are self-sufficient and that they don't need God because things are going pretty well? Where would we find Jesus today? Would we find Jesus sitting with the person who looks in the mirror and sees nothing of value? Where would we find Christ? If all of his teachings point us to the fact that he says that the the least person of significance will become the greatest, the last will become the first. He's constantly challenging our beliefs of what we think we know about ourselves, about each other, about our systems, about our states. Though we are asked to question our understanding. Those are the questions for us today. What could God do if I set aside my own understanding of who I am, of who you are, of who we are? And I said, God, what do you see? Who do you say I am? What if we set aside our planners and our vision boards, our dreams, our perceptions, and said, God, what can you do with me? God, what can you do with my family? What can you do with my job? What do you see for my life? God, what do you see for my children? What do you see for my church? God, what do you see for my home? And then, what if we just waited and listened? And then those ideas that come, those still small voices that tell us, hey, what about this? Or that still small voice that says, if you look in the mirror and don't see value, I look at you and see my child, my beloved. If you look at yourself and see nothing of significance, I look at you as worth dying for, that significant. What if we listened to those voices and created a new plan around them? What can God do that we can't? What does God see that we don't? And all God's people said, amen.